For you, the listeners of My JavaScript Story, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My JavaScript Story. Incidentally, because of today's guest, we're also going to post this on My Angular Story. So if you're listening to that feed and you're like, what the? Now you know. We have Austin McDaniel here. Austin, do you want to say hi? Yeah. Hey, everyone. How's it going? So we had you on episode 275 of JavaScript Jabber, uh, talking about zones in Node.js. We've been trying to get you on Adventures in Angular for a while. Probably ought to just finish lining that up. You spoke at Angular Remote Conf last year Mm -hmm. and talked about uh, virtual reality. And yeah, it's just just been kind of fun to get to know you and chat with you a little bit there. Also, are you still a panelist on Angular Air? Yep, I'm a panelist on Angular Air and a core Angular team member. Awesome. So does that mean you work for Google then? Yep, kind (laughs) of. In a roundabout way. Okay, gotcha. It's it's always interesting to see how that all gets arranged. So I've known a few people that they interned and then they contracted and then Google said, okay, move to California. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I, you know, opportunity came uh, about to kind of work on some of the Angular uh, material stuff. And, you know, we'll talk about this later, but... I spent a lot of time like building widgets and things like that. And so it was a natural fit. And so I've been helping that team build out uh, a lot of the Angular material components. That's really cool. And Angular material is one of the things that I just, I I really like. Um, I got in, I think I saw an ng-conf talk from this year where they, you know, they kind of walked through it and that was enough for me to really get in and, and make it work and then go, Oh, wow, this is cool. So, you know, and then I could build the rest of my UI from it. Um, of course, I'm still waiting for them to release it from beta, but that's... Hey, it's an RC now. Oh, it's an RC? RC2, RC stable coming pretty soon, like next couple of weeks. Oh, I must have missed that. We'll have to get, uh, you know, Thomas and you and um, a few of the other folks that, that we know are involved in that. Get you on and get the details. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's kind of been a long road, right? Like, um, you know, you go to like AngularJS material and you like see all these widgets and then you go to like the new material and it doesn't look like we're quite there, but uh, it, it's an evolution and, and a process. And I can tell you, you know, from firsthand experience, like, the Angular material components that are coming out as part of like Angular, you know, uh, two plus is uh-huh. they're really high quality. And when I talk about like high quality, I mean like 
they are very methodical, thought through around accessibility, internationalization, you know, focus management, uh, like everything. And they're used at Google. So they're being used right. in hundreds of internal and external projects at Google. And like they are pretty bulletproof, right? Like, yeah. And, you know, every release goes through like every every time we cut a release, it runs every Google test against them. So it's really like the components are really high quality. They are really um, like they're it's kind of like lessons learned from the first time. Right. Like there's a lot of abstractions that we've made. Like we created this thing called the CDK, which is a component developer kit, which basically abstracts out some of like positioning and things like that, that you need to kind of build your own components uh, if Angular Material isn't enough for you. And it, it's it's been a really cool project to contribute to and be a part of that team. So I won't get too sidetracked on that though. Yeah, well, and this has been a huge tangent because usually I start with how'd you get into programming and we've already been, uh, Angular <laughs> Material is so cool. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, let's let's get back into the the regular flow of of this show, and then you know as we get toward the end, I usually do talk about what you're working on now, and so we can mm -hmm. dig in a little bit more about, oh, you know how how you got into the the Angular Material stuff and and what's going on there and things like that. So l let's start at the beginning. How did you get into programming? So I think like any like curious you know little boy, I. Uh, uh, started programming when I was about 11, 10 or 11, sometime around there. Uh, my parents, um, we weren't uh, very privileged and I really wanted a laptop. And like there was just like a 10 year old wants a laptop back in like the 90s. That's like 5,000 right yep. Yep. <laughs> and so what they bought me is they bought me like one of these vtech things that has all these games pre-programmed in it but um the thing that the one game that i really liked it was called basic and it was basic programming and so that's really where i started on this like little vtech thing it had like a screen <laughs> like that's smaller than my iphone right right and doing basic programming on that and then i uh, kind of went, you know, kind of outgrew that and, you know, computers got a little cheaper. And then I started kind of doing, you know, QBasic and, you know, that type of stuff. And when I was probably like 16, I decided I was going to make, uh, this was like when Yahoo was like a, um, uh, like a guide, not really a search engine. I decided I was going to make my own Yahoo of like directories of things that I liked. And so like, I went off this adventure of like building my own like little guide site. And, and I, that was really how I got into web development. So, uh, I, I tried to like mimic them. It was, you, I actually still have the files, so it's funny to go back and look back at like all the tables and all the really terrible code that I did. <laughs> but uh, that's how I really got into like doing web development. And for over uh, a decade now, I've been doing web enterprise like JavaScript web development. Um, and I, I always like kid around like. Uh, I remember working in, you know, the enterprise shops and I would be like the web developer there. 
And they'd be like, well, we're going to have the real programmers doing the, you know, the back end and stuff like that. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like JavaScript's just a toy language, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. So I always kid, like I was like on the JavaScript train before it was cool, before the cool kids. Uh, and so it's been a really um, interesting journey. You know, when I was in college, I actually like most kids had like jobs at like, you know, grocery stores or like fast food joints, I would slice PSDs mm-hmm. to like Photoshop files to HTML and CSS. So I've always like kind of been doing it, you know, doing web development throughout my career uh, for the past. Austin thing. loves pain. That's what I just heard. Austin <laughs> loves pain. Back in IE6 land, back in I, I, IE6 was still like new. I can remember doing like, um, uh, PNG fixes for, you know, like where you put the little one pixel thing and the, the, the hack for the PNG transparency fixes in IE6 and all <laughs> yeah. that. Like, oh my gosh, it's, it's, it's been really exciting to see where it's gone. And, you know, I, I've kind of been doing this for, you know, like I said, I've been doing it for professionally for about a decade now. And, um, you know, work for a variety of like different companies, like small to like really large. And, um, it's funny, like everything kind of comes back to like the basics, right? Like whatever app building, right. It always comes back to like the basics. Like you need a list view, you need some widgets, you need like some type of thing. Right. And you're always building widgets. And I, Back when, back before, like, um, back in the jQuery days, I used to, like, fancy myself to build just all kinds of widgets. I, I was just, you know, whatever little, like, jQuery plugin, I would build tons of them, like, sorting and all this type of stuff. And I really enjoyed that. And kind of as, like, web development has matured, like, now everything's pretty much a widget, except for we call it components, right? Right. And so I've always kind of been doing that. And uh, about halfway through my career, uh, this was really about the time like jQuery was kind of getting, you know, popular. Um, but Angular and, and, and I don't even think React was around yet. Like Angular has been out for a while. Uh, I worked on a project called like JavaScript and VC, which was like one of the first like MVC patterns for JavaScript. And I, I worked a lot on that core team of, of building out like this, like binding system and all these type of things. So just to kind of see where we're at today, it, it's really exciting. You know, we've came so far from like, you know, using jQuery everywhere, like spaghetti code, anonymous functions and things like that to, you know, these really clear, concise and typed in some cases files that we have today. It's, it's, it's been a really exciting ride. Nice. And we've actually had Justin Meyer on the show to talk about Dun.js, uh, which yeah. was JavaScript yeah. MVC. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Um, I'm curious yeah, though. I mean, I used to work with Justin quite a bit. Like, um, I, I was on his team working on, we call it Dun.js now and like CanJS. 
Yep. And actually built out some of the dependency management stuff and uh, that that's in Dun.js back in the day and some of the view stuff that's still being used around like two-way binding and stuff like that. So that was a cool experience. Awesome. So I, I want to back up a little bit. I mean, what was it about JavaScript, you know, back before it was cool that you thought was cool that got you so interested in it? I mean... I, I, I kind of got into JavaScript once it really started being used for powerful things. Otherwise, it was just an inconvenient way to have to do a couple of things with jQuery. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I pre-jQuery, right? I was doing things pre-jQuery, like back, you know, mid-90s. And I really saw JavaScript, right, despite like all the browser hacks that you had to do back then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but pretty much everything sucked, so it <laughs> <laughs> you had to do it all, right? Right. Yep. Uh, and, and everything was pretty limited, but you know everything from like doing the button hovers and stuff like that, what we call DHTML, things like that, like DHTML. It really just, <laughs> yeah, I'm. All oh, the bad old days. I, I've really been fascinated by UI. When I was actually kind of young, like um, I, I thought I wanted to be an artist, and my grandmother goes, "Have you ever heard of the starving artist?" <laughs> and um, I was like, "Oh well, I kind of, you know, want to make sure that I can eat, put food on the table." So uh, I thought like doing UI type work was like a nice compromise there, right? right? And I really enjoyed like. Um, uh, you know, the satisfaction of like when you build something on the UI and it's interactive and you can interact with it versus like building something on the back end or something like that. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel as rewarding to me. So the fact that like I could build things pretty simple, um, despite like all the limitations back then, you know, it's pretty easy to get into JavaScript. Right. Right. Uh, especially back then, like you just just throw a file on on the screen with some code, right? And the fact that like you could do it so easily, like the language was pretty easy to pick up for you know someone as a teenager, and uh, you know the satisfaction that I had of like just being able to change something and see it and interact with it on the screen kind of just always drew me to it. And I I really felt like the web was the future. Right. Like I didn't, you know, I could have went into like desktop applications and things like that. But the web was really starting to like thrive back then and really starting to take off. And I was like, I really feel like, you know, the web is going to, you know, it's easy to say that now. Right. Like, oh, the web is going to be great back then. But really, I really felt like, you know, these building, you know, things based in the web where it was like, you know, you could interact with it from anywhere and do things like that without having to install something. I really thought that that was like the way. And so um, in terms of like I was just drawing the UI and, you know, my belief in, in you know, doing uh, things via the web versus like a desktop Vic client or something. I guess that makes sense. I mean, a lot of people now are getting into JavaScript because it's it's, you know, it's moving fast. It's exciting. There's a lot going on there. But uh, 
Yeah, I mean, the accessibility that you got from JavaScript, you know, which is something that you brought up, you know, you could just write something, you upload the file to the web, you include it on your page. Um, you know, that that's, that's not really that that's not really that easy anymore with all no. the tooling we have. But at the same time, you know, uh I would I was on NGR with Brad Green and uh, he was our guest and he said something that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, he said that, you know, when you scaffold an application with the CLI and whether uh -huh. that's the React CLI or the Angular CLI, where you're at at that point is almost where you would be two years later after you created your first like Hello World Angular JS app, right. right? Like you, you, to build real things, you have to have all these tools in place. And it might feel like a lot of pain and a lot of things to learn and, and you know, just a lot going on there. But once you've kind of built out these things before and you've seen, you know, all the stuff that it takes, you know, I've, uh -huh. I literally wrote my own dependency management system right back in the day. Right. And so once you like know these things, like it's really powerful and, and you're making a lot of jumps forward that you, you I, I don't think a lot of people even realize like it's, it's just done for them and they're like, Oh, this is so complicated. And you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, let me tell you back in the day, <laughs> Yep, back in the good old days. Yep. So how did you get into Angular? So I got into Angular just about the time that it was starting to take off, um, really. And I, I, when was that? It was like 2013, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was version 1.2 is when I first started. But really about the time that it started to take off. And uh, I, I was working on a project and I was kind of evaluating like which framework I wanted to use. And <clears throat> I kind of played with Backbone. That's when back when Backbone and Backbone at that time was starting to decline. And I looked at Ember and I looked at AngularJS and... Uh -huh. um, I think Meteor as well. Um, and some of those are still around and doing yep. great. Um, and what I was trying to do was just some forms type of things. And Angular like made that so easy. Like, and that's why everyone loves Angular 1, right? Like mm -hmm. forms so stinking easy. And that's probably what 50% of the business applications we build are form-based. So like when I started using that, right. And then I realized like it had two way binding and I was like, Oh my gosh, like yep. back in the day before two way binding, like I, had, <laughs> I remember having to like, you know, do these callbacks and then find the element that I wanted to update and then change the inner text of that element. Uh -huh. All these types of things. I'm like, two-way binding is like the best thing in the world. <laughs> yep. And so I started getting into that about then. And uh, I published a couple of open source libraries 
uh, actually wrote a virtualized data table in Angular 1 um, and, you know, had built out quite a bit of stuff. And kind of when Angular 2 rolled around and, and kind of React was taking off as well, like I started like trying to decide, well, you know, I've got this huge Angular 1 app that I've built out now and like which you know i need to upgrade and it's going to be pretty much like a total rewrite which direction do i want to go and you know kind of i felt like angular 2 was kind of continuing my story in the evolution of like what i've done with angular like angular is kind of got it's kind of the whole package, right? Like I uh-huh. hate to compare it like this. It's kind of like .NET versus Node. <laughs> like React is Node, .NET is Angular. I hate that comparison, but <laughs> uh, you kind of see what I'm talking about, right? Like you have authentication, you know, in .NET you have like all these tools that are kind of prepackaged that you can start using out of the box, and Angular has those as well, like your routing. Yeah. HTTP, it's kind of all there and all one package. And if you're building big applications, you want these pieces to all be cohesive and kind of be in line and all work together and things like that. And I really felt like, you know, Angular had just taken what they've done in Angular 1 and kind of matured it with Angular 2. But all the pieces that I still needed and used in Angular 1 were still there. And so, you know, I picked it up. Uh, been using it for over two and a half years now, Angular 2. Uh-huh. Um, and, and really, you know, really enjoying that. We've, uh, the team that I used to work on, we wrote a couple different open source projects that are, that are pretty popular. Uh, the Angular viewers might know some of them. Um, NGX data table, that one's used by some huge organizations and really excited about how that came back. Like it's, it's, you know, a hundred thousand rows on the screen and you can scroll as fast as you possibly can. And it never lags. Um, nice. So that like, that really speaks volumes to like the performance improvement that angular has done. Uh, we wrote a project called NGX charts, which is actually where angular draws the SVGs. So we're not using D3 or anything like that to draw SVGs. We're using Angular to actually draw the SVGs. Oh, wow. And then we use D3 for like some of the mathematics stuff. So we still are using D3, but nothing but Angular is actually touching the DOM. So that was a really cool project that I've worked on as well. Nice. Well, you're just doing my whole interview for me because I usually ask, so what have you worked on that you know you want to talk about? <laughs> And then, yeah. of course, I went on the show, uh, your show, and uh, I spoke at NGConf last year on WebVR uh-huh. and, and Angular. And that is really a cool story because, you know, in the, in the prototypes that I built out and, and the talk that I talked about, um, I actually, instead of using Angular to, like, compose DOM, I use Angular to compose, like, WebGL scenes. Right. And Angular's got like this compiler that you can actually override and say, don't render any DOM. Uh, I'm just going to, you know, construct objects and bind them together. And so I, I created this project where, you know, you can define like your scene, your camera, uh-huh. like spears and all these type of things using Angular, just like you're writing DOM, but it builds WebGL instead. 
And that was a really cool experiment um, I worked on, uh, uh, just kind of proving that out. And I'm really excited. Like back in the day where I felt like, uh, you know, the web was the future, I really think that like, augmented reality and things like that is the next evolution and and the way that we really you know there's about to be another evolution in the way that we interact with computers and it's already starting to happen but vr is still kind of a toy at this point but i think as like products like hololens and things like that you know evolutionize like those are going to radically change the way we use software and and I, I'm trying to get into that and be a part of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, I keep winding up going to these uh, Microsoft events and, you know, they, they do. They have the HoloLens. But, you know, last year at CES, I'm, I'm going to CES again this year as well. Um, but, I mean, one of the things that I saw there that was interesting was just that, uh, you know, you can stick your phone in a little... $10 thing in front of your face uh, with Google Cardboard API, or it's not API, it's a it's an interface design, I guess, for like a hardware system. But I mean, you know, it's amazing what you can do. It's amazing what you can get started with. And you don't have to spend a ton of money on the HoloLens. You can spend, like I said, 10 bucks to this thing that straps on your head. And yeah, you know, where does that take us? You know, um, I think Google Glass proved that uh, there are a lot of augmented reality things that are possible with just a small uh, screen interface in front of your, yeah, in front of your face. So, I mean, yeah. I had a Google Glass and uh, it was interesting. Like, I feel like it will be cool in maybe five years from now. Right. Like the big problems it had was in order for it to be truly effective, like and truly like powerful, it needs to be connected to the Internet all the time. Like, yep. It's doing constant analysis on what you see. And that's also very scary at the same time. So there's like a social as social norm aspect that you're going to have there. Uh, but in order for it to like really be cool, like it needs to be connected to the internet all the time. And the problem with that is that takes a lot of battery power and thing would barely stay on for like a couple hours just running like by itself. So it, I think, I think we still have quite a ways to go there. Um, but I think, you know, there, there's a lot of things that, we can, you know, start building today with what we have. You know, AR Kit came out. You can yeah. actually do augmented reality in the browser now as well. You can. Um, uh, there, there's been some talks on that uh, around using Web AR, mm-hmm. and um, that that's really interesting. Of course, there's Web VR as well, um, but. A lot of this stuff is is coming to the browser, and it, it'll be part of like mobile um, experiences. And and we as like this developers like need to th- be thinking about this as we're building out our new you know content for these new emerging technologies. Yep, absolutely. So you know, the other things that I've been doing um, uh, today. 
you know, we mentioned I'm part of like the Angular team. I've been working on the material stuff. That's been a really, you know, exciting opportunity to kind of work with that team. Like the brain power there is just crazy, right? And um, uh, kind of work with that team and and um, be part of this project. And that's that's really been really rewarding for me. And I really enjoy doing that type of stuff. You know, there's a couple. No, uh, there's a couple new stuff coming and, you know, material that I'm, I'm really excited that's going to get released soon. We're going to start doing material like preview releases where new components are kind of in the um, uh, Angular announced it kind of this like preview area and new components will get pushed in there. So people will start being able to take advantage of new components sooner. Uh, we're like synchronizing material releases with the official angular releases so oh nice you'll have predictable releases in synchronized so everything can just be updated etc and so there's a lot of like really cool things that are going on there um another thing that i'm doing i'm on angular air uh podcasts every week uh i'm you know that that team is amazing and I, i really enjoy like being part of that and um it's really exciting to talk to all the different people in the industry and hear about what they're doing and uh just kind of see like compare experiences and and see what people are up to and what's new and upcoming and things like that so that's been a really exciting opportunity for me as well yeah, we had uh, Justin from Angular Air come on and talk about Angular Air <laughs> last week, so that that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's a it's a great show. Like, um, if anyone hasn't checked it out, like it's angularair.com, and it's usually every Tuesday, um, but sometimes it just changes based on the guests. Right. I think next week we're having the Stack Blitz team on. So that'll be a really cool episode. I'm I'm a huge fan of Stack Blitz. Like that that you know, Eric has done an amazing job with that tool. Yeah, we had them on JavaScript Jabber and uh cool stuff. Yeah, we should have them on Adventures in Angular as well. Um let me get an episode number for the listener. I, I'm curious, uh you mentioned that you're you're not a Google employee, but you're participating on the the, the team for Angular Material. So, so how exactly does that work? Are you a contractor for them or you're just really, really important in your off time? <laughs> I, I, I'm working as a contractor with them. So I, uh, uh, you know, I don't really, I would love to work at Google, but I don't really want to live in, in, in Mountain View. <laughs> um, so I'm working as a contractor with them part time too. Gotcha. Uh, tribute to that project. Um, and I, I'm, you know, I kind of do, I left my full-time job like a couple months ago and I've kind of just been all over the place, you know, picking up different opportunities. So I'm working with them and a couple other companies, um, you know, implementing angular thing, you know, uh, components and architecture and things like that. So. Awesome. So are you looking for contracts? Because I'm happy to say, hey, hire this guy. <laughs> uh, right now I'm booked. <laughs> um, but uh, feel free to send people over my way. Like I always know people that, you know, the Angular community is kind of a really tight-knit community. Right. And, 
you know, everyone kind of knows someone. So, uh, I'm always open to ears and, and, you know, if you're looking for something, you know, reach out, I I'm sure I can connect you with someone that, you know, would be happy to help you guys, happy to help anyone out. Um, and whether it's, you know, for a job or, you know, the Angular community is great. Like people, you know, if, if you're willing to, you know, create a, a example of what you're trying to do, like most people will help you, you know, and teach you, you know, over Twitter or things like that. Like the community is really great. I completely agree. Um, before I push us into picks, then I guess the question is, where do people find you online? Yeah, so I my Twitter handle is amcdnl. Um, that's also my GitHub, and my blog is the same. It's acmamcdnl.com. Um, I am constantly tweeting about JavaScript, uh, WebGL, uh, Angular stuff on my Twitter, and writing blog posts about these things. Um, and if you follow me on GitHub, I like to publish like a lot of like random, like experiments that I play with and you can kind of see some of the open source projects that I contribute to as well. So awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do some picks. This episode is sponsored by Linode. Linode is offering listeners of this podcast a $20 credit, which is good for four free months at their lowest plan. Their plans start at one gigabyte of RAM for $5 a month. You can get your servers in any of their 10 data centers and their high memory plans start at 16 gigabytes. Get a server running in under a minute. They do hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups, node balancers, long view, etc. VMs for full control, running Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, etc. You can run a private Git server. They provide native SSD storage, 200 gigabit network, and Intel E5 processors. They have 24-7 friendly support, even on holidays, and a 7-day money-back guaranteed. So go check them out at linode.com slash JavaScript Jabber. Now, you've been on the shows. You do picks. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. So do you have some things you want to shout out about? Yeah, so I actually have two picks. Uh, my buddy Todd Motto released a seven-hour training for free on NGRX with Angular, and I have had it. I've started digging into that, and and it is just so well put together. Uh, and so, big shout out to him, especially for you know, putting that out there for free for everyone. Uh, he runs Ultimate Angular, which is like a, a you know, a paid uh, learning subscription thing. And so to put something this large and this cool out there is really big props to him. So, um, and then Shy uh, from Hi-Rez put out a new um, Angular course on like intro to Angular and it is just hilarious. So I have to give him a big shout out as well. Awesome. Yeah, Shai is a regular on Adventures in Angular now. So Yeah, Shai is awesome. So uh, huge shout out to him and, and the work that he's been doing. Yep, definitely. I've got a few shout outs of my own. So uh, one of the things that I mentioned on the show that I'm going to shout out about is the ng-conf. I think it was like a two-hour workshop. I think they did it on... Anyway, I wasn't able to make it to Angular uh, or ng-conf last, or this year. I will be there this next year. But 
anyway, um, it was just really great. If you're looking for an introduction to Angular Material, definitely check it out. It just walks you through setting up um, an interface with Angular Material. And after about an hour, you really have something that you can work with. And uh, it, it was enough. It got me far enough along to where then I could start to figure out the other pieces. So the things that they didn't talk about that I wanted in there, it was like, okay, how do I get this? Uh, there, oh, it's right there. And then I can figure that out. So you kind of figure out how Angular Material is put together and how a lot of those components come into play. And then it just, it, it's a beautiful thing. So um, I'm going to shout out about that. And then I'm also going to shout out about Angular Dev Summit, which is something that I did this year in place of Angular Remote Conf. It was a week long. Um, it was free to attend live. You can get the uh, the talks now. Um, just go to angulardevsummit.com and uh, you can still just buy one of the um, all access passes. And uh, I'm going to reduce the price back to $97. So then you can just get in and get access to all those talks. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, then definitely check it out. Um, I'm also going to shout out about Angular Air. I mean, it's a great show. Um, the one thing that I've, I've kind of figured out, people are like, well, don't, don't you feel like they're a competitor? <laughs> um, if you only have two hours in a week, then maybe they'd be a competitor. But most people <laughs> have plenty of time to listen to both shows. So, um, you know, it, it's great that way. The other thing that I like that Angular Air does that we don't on Adventures in Angular is that um, you're kind of designed around running a video show and showing stuff off. And we're more designed around just talking about the, the topic. You know, we, we don't talk about what we see on the screen and expect you to be able to see it. You know, you kind of have to visualize it because we're audio only. And and it's nice because you can actually on Angular Air then go and see what they're doing as they talk through it. And that's that's just cool. There's also this weird guy that wears a panda head sometimes, <laughs> um, which, you know, that, that makes me smile. So anyway, um, definitely check it out. They have a YouTube channel um, and then you can go to the website and subscribe wherever you're going to do that. So anyway, yeah, th those are my picks. Um, anything else that you want to just uh, plug real quick before we uh, sign off? No, thanks for having me on. It was it was great to chat with you and kind of share my story. And I, uh, uh, I I'm really excited. You know, kind of the takeaway is I'm really excited where we're going with you know web and JavaScript and Angular and and you know for you guys that haven't been a lot around you know to see its evolution. It's really came a long way and, and it's really exciting to see where it's going. It's so true, especially when um, you made the example of jQuery made it easy for you to grab a DOM element, change the inner text. I remember when that was super nice, right? It was like, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that's handy. So, yeah, I mean, we've come a long way. Things are definitely accelerating as well. So I think we're going to see more change that makes more of a difference more frequently. And it's it's just a cool time to be a developer. Absolutely. And it's so easy to get these resources as well. Like yeah. everyone, you know, is very open and sharing, you know, even even the people that make money from this are, are, are sharing some of their stuff for free. So it, it's a great community. Yep. Well, cool. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, thanks for coming, Austin. Thank you for having me. All right, we will catch you all next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. 
Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.